Welcome back to The Right Takes with an occasional left turn. Jacob Blair here with you now as we're going to take a pretty hefty number of left turns here over the next several segments as it is Speed Weeks. NASCAR is back. Racing is back. Dirt racing all over the state of Florida the last several weeks now. Pavement at Daytona underway as well as Speed Weeks has begun in a wild weekend of racing with the ARCA Menard Series as well as the NASCAR Cup Series, Daytona 500 qualifying, and the Clash this weekend. A little bit of practice as well. Before we get to that, it's important to take a look around the NASCAR scene, see where everyone has landed this season, kind of get everyone up to date on all the changes. There was quite a few over the offseason, both with crew chiefs and with drivers to new teams. We'll start with the, the teams and, and drivers not here in the 2020 season. Paul Menard, David Reagan, both retired from full-time racing. Then Matt Tift, not in the Cup Series as well. He's still looking for opportunities. But Paul Menard, David Reagan retired. Those spots opened up. David Reagan, that car not really fulfilled as John Hunter Nemechek basically slid into the Matt Tift ride and front row racing downgrades to just the two cars. But drivers to new teams this year, Chris Busher, and one of the, the ones that was a little bit unexpected, Chris Busher, he... Moves to Roush Fenway Racing, driving the number 17 car this year. Him and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. switched just a little. They, they switched rides. So Ricky Stenhouse Jr. now with JTD Doherty, Chris Busher with Roush Fenway Racing, and then JTD JTG Doherty Racing moves Ryan Priest to the 37, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. to the 47. So just a number change for Ryan Priest. Daniel Suarez, who was driving the number 41 car for Stuart Haas Racing, moves to the number 96 Gaunt Brothers Racing. That car, a non-chartered team looking to run full-time. Again, that chartered program, 36 teams have the, the chartered spots in the series, so they are guaranteed starting spots for all races, where then any number of teams that are non-chartered, non-chartered can run for those final four spots. But Daniel Suarez goes to the number 96 Gaunt Brothers Racing car, a non-chartered team there looking to run the entire season with Suarez. Daniel Hemrick was driving the number eight car. That number eight car now driven by Tyler Reddick, who moves up from the Xfinity Series. Daniel Hemrick will move down to the Xfinity Series, ironically also driving the eight car, but for Junior Motorsports for a partial Xfinity schedule, about 21 races for Daniel Hemrick. Joey Gase, he moves from number 66 to Rick Ware Racing. That one of the smaller moves for, for those smaller teams. And then, to, to me, the biggest move of the offseason, Matt DiBenedetto will move from the number 95 of Lion Family Racing Car to the number 21 Wood Brothers Racing Machine in that move. So back in the Ford camp after spending a year with Toyota. Other Moves in terms of the Xfinity Series, those rookies of the year again. Cole Custer in the 41. Christopher Bell moves to the 95. Tyler Reddick moves to the number 8. Your other rookie of the year candidates, Quinn Hauf in the double zero for Starcom Racing. Then you have John Hunter Nemechek in the 38 and Brennan Poole in the 15 for Premium Motorsports. The rookie of the year battle this year, quite an interesting one as all of the really the top three 
of the Xfinity Series, Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, those were the three everyone talked about last season. They all, in the same season, moved to the Cup Series. So just the, the season within a season will be phenomenal this year between those three. I give the edge to Cole Custer just because he moves into a Stuart Haas racing car of the three. That one has the most speed from last year, has the most potential for this year. But Christopher Bell, they're going to Vine Family Racing, will get a lot of help from Joe Gibbs Racing running that Toyota. So Christopher Bell will be right there. And then Tyler Reddick, I look for him to really improve that Richard Childress Racing. Nothing against Daniel Hemrick, but Tyler Reddick quite the, the race car driver himself. So a brilliant rookie class, one that I, I think in the future we'll see a lot of races won from and a lot of championships from as well, this this rookie class. I don't know if any of them get a win this season. Maybe Cole Custer, maybe Christopher Bell sneaks one at a short track, but I don't know if anyone gets a win this year, but we'll hear those three names a lot, being Reddick, Custer, and Bell. Everyone else in the same spot. The only other interesting move over the offseason really was what Team Penske did. And the, the idea is, yes, Brad Keselowski is still in the 2, Joey Logano is still in the 22, Ryan Blaney is still in the 12. That is it. That is the only thing left between those teams, really. And the sponsors stay with each car number. But other than that, everything moves. So really, it, it's driver changes. They're just keeping their number. So Paul Wolf, no longer with Brad Keselowski. It is now Jeremy Boland's. Crew chiefing the number two car for the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. It is Todd Gordon, who was the crew chief for Joey Logano last season. He is now the crew chief of the number 12. And then for Joey Logano, it is Paul Wolf that will crew chief that racing car. So Team Penske setting it up a little bit differently there this year for them. So a lot of team changes there. For some of your other teams, everything really stayed the same. Uh, a couple crew chief changes here and there, but nothing big of note. The other one big offseason piece, the piece of offseason news, Jimmy Johnson announced that 2020 will be his final season. Cliff Daniels, his crew chief, that was a crew chief that came on about halfway through trying to find the right piece for Jimmy Johnson at the crew chief position after Chad Knauss moved to William Byron. But Jimmy Johnson, final season, and... You really hope Jimmy can find a way to, to get a win in his last year just with the last two seasons he's, he's had. I don't know really what we see from Jimmy this year. Everyone, it would be nice to see him go out on top, a seven-time champion, five of those in a row, uh, just one of the, the greatest drivers of all time in his last year this year. So we'll look out for Jimmy Johnson. That's just some of your news and notes from the Cup Series Garage heading into this season. The Cup Series, again, Daytona 500 qualifying was just a day ago, as was the Clash, the ARCA Racing Series, two days ago to kick off Speed Weeks. You look towards the rest of the schedule this week. The duel at Daytona on Thursday, the Truck Series to take place on Friday, and then the Xfinity, the Xfinity Series on Saturday, and then the Cup Series will take place on a Sunday, the big one, the Daytona 500. So how have we got through speed weeks thus far early in this early portion of speed weeks? And that is Daytona 500 qualifying. And what everyone expected did not happen. It looked as though the Hendrick cars of Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Jimmy Johnson 
and William Byron would dominate again. Hendrick would get their sixth consecutive Daytona 500 pull. And then out of nowhere, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. slides over and takes the pole position. When that J and that brand new JTG Doherty ride for him gets the Daytona 500 pole with a speed of 194.582 miles per hour, it beats out three Hendrick cars. So Hendrick right there, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Jimmy Johnson, the top four. But again, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. kind of shocks everyone, picks up the pole position. And it still kind of was a pseudo pull for Hendrick as it was Hendrick powered for JTG Doherty, but they get the job done. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr., a driver that, that races well on these super speedway style races, as and I look for him to to really be a threat in the Daytona 500. Alex Bowman again in second, Chase Elliott in third, Jimmy Johnson fourth, then comes the first Toyota and Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch sixth, Eric Almirola seventh, William Byron in eighth, Christopher Bell ninth, and Eric Jones in tenth. So only one Ford in the top ten. And one thing I always look at in terms of Daytona 500 qualifying is who really trimmed out, who went for the pole, and, and who's more focused on race speed and we see a lot of Fords, 11 through 16, all Fords, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Clint Boyer, Cole Custer, Ryan Newman, and Matt DiBenedetto. That group not really going after speed, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle in the draft. Sometimes when you have a car that can go out and get the pole, you suffer a little bit in terms of handling. So looking at the duels on Thursday and then the Daytona 500 on Sunday, see where that plays out in terms of that other Things of note, seven cars fighting for the four non-chartered spots in the race. Those, you, the, the only two lock in Daytona 500 qualifying day. The other five will have to race their way into the duel. So 38 of the spots are taken. Again, the top two, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Alex Bowman, they are guaranteed to start on the front row as long as they don't have to go to a backup car after the duel. And then the other two... This time, this, you know, back on Sunday, Justin Haley with a speed of 190.018, and then Brendan Gone with a speed of 188.945 locked themselves into the Daytona 500. Those are the top two speeds in the non chartered teams. So the top two lock in, everyone else fighting for just two spots remaining. Those drivers being Reed Sorensen, Timmy Hill, Daniel Suarez, JJ Yaley. Those drivers are looking for the one of those final two spots to work their way into the Daytona 500. 43 cars entered this race. Three will go home. And it's always a difficult situation when you miss the Daytona 500, and especially for someone like you look at the likes of Daniel Suarez moves to Gaunt Brothers Racing. They don't have a charter. It's more of a, of a high-profile name. They need to make this race, get themselves set up, set up for a full season run. So that will set up the duels on Thursday, Duel 1, Duel 2. So everyone with an on-numbered position, so first, third, fifth, will line up in Duel 1. Everyone else will go to Duel number 2, and that on Thursday. Go back then and, and we can talk about the clash. Also being described now as the crash because that's basically what it was in the final 20 laps. A, a wild wild final 20 laps in that race. A 75 lap 
exhibition race to start the season, kind of the preseason race, an invitational event featuring all the playoff drivers from last year, all the poll winners from one year ago, also any Daytona 500 poll winners and Daytona 500 winners eligible for this event. And with that event, only 18 drivers entered, only 19 were eligible. Daniel Henemrick was eligible to run this event, and he, not having a cup ride this year, did not participate in the clash. So 18 cars, and to put it into perspective, six crossed the finish line, still running. Everyone else was out of the race. The, the race scheduled for 75 laps. Well, they ran 88, went 13 laps past distance just because of the carnage and the way this set up. And it set up because of a competition caution on lap 25. You had the Toyotas and the Fords all come down pit lane before that lap 25 caution. All of the Chevrolets, minus Joey Logano. Joey Logano, part of that Chevrolet group, come down pit road during the caution. So a little bit of a difference in strategy there. Those that came before the caution knew they could not make it to the checkered flag. Those that came during they, well, they were going to try to stretch it, get to the checkered flag, and under green flag, pit stops for those that knew they had to pit, took fuel only, just a couple seconds to get to the finish of the race. And they were about half, uh, a little bit past half track behind, and then started chasing down those trying to save fuel. You, you, you continue to try to chase down, and they finally got there, and then once they got there, it broke up. The two groups, they started mixing. And so now you got guys trying to save fuel. Other drivers wanting to get to the front. And in the end, Joey Logano, one of those trying to save fuel, was at the front of the field, threw a block on Kyle Busch, and it started what was the run of mini wrecks to come, collected Kyle Busch, collected Brad Keselowski. Brad Keselowski, not happy with the block from his teammate, expressed that post-race. And just with the closing speeds, the runs on these cars, we've seen it over and over and over again. These late blocks do not work. They cause cautions. They cause crashes. It happened a couple times in this race. That took out three cars, so now down to 15 or so. But Joey, Joey Logano was one that was able to continue Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch out of the race. On the restart, not quite sure what happened, but Ryan Newman and William Byron both spun the tires so bad they actually spun out on the restart and caused uh, a large accident, a low-speed large accident. That took out a couple more, including Martin Truex Jr., Alex Bowman, William Byron, Kevin Harvick uh, among those involved in that one. Some of those drivers able to continue on, try to... Finish the race, but then on the next restart, you have an incident where, go back to that incident, the first one between Joey Logano and Kyle Busch, a, a situation where you have the, the two there together, and Denny Hamlin also involved in that one, just enough. A little bit of a tire rub on the right rear, well on that restart, after that odd restart where no one really got going, you don't really see low speed wrecks in nascar you don't see guys wrecking on restarts before they get to the corner it happened but now you get to that next restart after that joey like er, excuse me denny hamlin clearly having a tire issue finally blows in turn number three well he was at the front of the field so that takes out a bunch more race cars 
get another restart this time. Kyle Larson now finds himself out front and throws a block on Chase Elliott. They get together. You have another accident. So now we set up the final restart. Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, Clint Boyer, Kyle Larson, Ryan Newman. The five cars on the lead lap. Denny Hamlin a lap down. Everyone else out of the race. So just six cars left on track. You get a restart. The runs at this point, because of so few cars on the racetrack, the runs at this point just coming from all over the place. You saw everyone go to the front, to the back. And finally, well, Denny Hamlin... Eric Jones, the only two teammates left on the racetrack. Well, they hooked up. Denny Hamlin just gave a, a push to Eric Jones for a full lap. And Eric Jones, with a race car that should never win a race, probably in most races wouldn't have finished, ends up winning the Bush Clash on Sunday. And, and one of the wilder, almost silly, I mean, it just got to the point where it was silly, just how many wrecks there were with just 18 cars. Eric Jones picks up the win. Austin Dillon finishes second with the only car on the racetrack, I believe, that did not receive damage. Clint Boyer finished third. Kyle Larson fourth. Ryan Newman fifth. Then Denny Hamlin was sixth, the final car running. Normally, if you're out of the race due to an accident, you don't get to say you finished seventh. Chase Elliott, he gets to do that. He finished seventh. Ryan Blaney eighth. Joey Logano ninth. And Eric Almarola in the tenth position. The good, for, good thing for these drivers is this race is one that does not count. No points just for the win. Eric Jones gets to claim that and move on. The bad thing is a lot of these cars are the secondary backup cars for these teams during speed weeks. So, for example, if one of these guys wrecks their primary car in the duel, turns around, and then in practice on, say, Friday gets in another accident, well, then this was the car they would pull out of the hauler to run the Daytona 500. Well, for everyone except Austin Dillon, that is now not an option. So that was the, the clash. Again, really could have been called the crash. And a lot of, of speculation as to what this means for moving ahead to the duel on Thursday, the Daytona 500 on Sunday. This It's an it's a exhibition race. It's for the win. I don't think you can take a whole lot from it. You can learn a little bit. But really, there's no, not a whole lot to learn because you'll have 40 cars on the racetrack come the Daytona 500. All the runs, all the momentum changes when you have a pack of that size. It's just a, a difficult. It's a difficult way to take information from this race and put it towards the 500. I don't know if this means maybe we get a little bit of a tamer stage one and stage two Daytona 500 day, but stage three I look to still just be. A crazy free-for-all for everyone that is left. Other race, the other race during the weekend was the Arkham Menard Series. Really their first year under the full NASCAR banner here this season. And a, another race that saw a lot of cautions. And really just kind of marred by an inconsistent ability to get going. Six cautions during this race. Many of them for crashes, a couple of them for debris. Start on the first lap when Andy Sice, he tries to get in line, ends up involved in an incident there on lap number, just really lap number one, and he never could get going from there. Uh, several different cautions for, for engine failures, 
and then you get to the end of the race and and similar to the the clash just not a whole lot of cars left running you, you did end up finishing 17 cars but only about 11 of them of them on the lead lap but with the way the arca series works not all of them are as competitive as the cars up front. So by the end of the race on the last green-white checkered, really just seven cars were able to stay up in the lead, lead pack. And that makes, it, that makes it difficult for drivers to, to really get runs going, especially in those ARCA cars. And Michael Self just had the car to beat in the Venturini Motorsports car. Led 61 laps in this race and had it ready to go out front. And Haley Deegan, the the female racer that has a lot of potential in running the full ARCA series this year, a, just a really good drive from her to finish second. And it was a situation where she's in between two Venturini Motorsports cars. Drew Dollar ends up finishing third in this one. Drew really not in a situation to help Haley if she tries to go out and pass Michael Self. So it just seemed as though Haley Deegan decided... Let's make sure to finish second. Let's not drop back. Let's not get in an accident. Take the points and move on to the next one. And with Michael Self and how good he is, he won Daytona one year ago, wins again. He already has one Daytona win, wins this one. And the runner-up from Arca, the ARCA series last year. So a lot of experience for Michael Self. Haley Deegan finishes second. Drew Dollar third. Sean Core fourth. Thad Moffitt finishes fifth. Jason White sixth. Riley Herbst seventh. Willie Mullins, 8th, Brett Holmes, ninth, and then Scott Milton rounds out the top 10 in the ARCA series. As ARCA moves on, their next race, March 6th at Phoenix Raceway, a track we have not really seen the ARCA series at, but again, under the new NASCAR sanction, a little bit of schedule changes, they'll run Phoenix on March 6th, and then they will have another month off before they head to Salem on April 19th. We'll break here. We'll take a break here on the left turn portion of the right takes with an occasional left turn and be back to preview the rest of Daytona Speed Weeks. Welcome back to the left turn here on X106. Jacob Blair with you. And for the left turn portion of the right takes with an occasional left turn. Speed Weeks well underway. Events over the weekend. Again, the Arca Menard Series won by Michael Self. The Bush Clash one by Eric Jones, and then the Daytona 500 front row. It is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. on the pole, Alex Bowman to start in the second position. And now we look towards the rest of the weekend, and it just a, a, you get a couple days off here, a little bit of, you have some media obligations if you're the drivers, but a little bit of a couple days to regroup here. If you, you want to watch racing, there's still plenty of racing going on in the state of Florida. It is kind of crazy. You, you turn around and you really can drive within two hours anywhere and find a race in Florida during the month of February. All the dirt tracks getting involved in, in speed weeks and have for many, many years now. You've got Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series has been running all over Florida. You, you've got the All-Star Circuit of Champions, the Sprint Cars running, the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars have been running up Modifieds have been running the big block modifieds, have been running at different racetracks, and now the World of Outlaws late models are running all on the dirt side. And then if you want short track asphalt racing, New Smyrna has their Speed Weeks, Pro Late Models, Super Late Models, all sorts of stuff there as well. The Arca Menard Series East running at New Smyrna as well. So Florida, someday I want to take just a month vacation 
and go down to Florida and watch about 40 different races over 20 days. That'd just be fantastic. But we're here in Maryville, and we at least get to talk about it. Is and racing is back, and for a again for a. a a, a sport that really doesn't have an off season, especially if you follow the dirt racing. You've got Florida, you've got Arizona. I was sitting in a, a chair watching the Gateway Dirt Nationals back in December, four days away from Christmas. So racing really doesn't have an off season, but NASCAR does a little bit. And so for racing, a sport that doesn't have an off season, I am I'm glad the off season. It's finally over. It, it's it's even though it's so short, it's only about three months. It still is a little bit too long to go without cars on track. So again, speed weeks well upon us. The first two days passed, and now we we sit. The track sits idle for a couple of days before it comes back to life. On the thirteenth of February, that Thursday, for the duels. A 6 o'clock start time on Fox Sports 1 for duel number one, duel number two to come after that. But again, these two races, one with 22 cars, one with 21 cars to set the rest of the starting lineup. Again, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Alex Bowman guaranteed a front row starting position as long as they don't need to go to a backup car. So for those two drivers, a situation where you have to be very careful with your primary car, the one that has all the speed, you want to learn as much as you can. You want to get as much read on the handling of your car as you can. However, you don't want to wreck that race car. So Stenhouse and Bowman need to be especially careful, as really, especially with what we saw from the clash. I, I see tamer duels coming our way. I know there, there's kind of the idea that if one to one. Duel is tame. The other one is wild. I think this is here where we get two fairly tame duels. One where everyone just kind of needs to mind their own business. They know the Daytona 500 is a long race. 36 drivers have guaranteed starting spots. So I, I think the only thing that can, can make it a little bit crazy is, is you still have that want to win at the end of the race. So I look for the final five or so laps to get a little bit interesting. And then with still five drivers having to lock their, their, themselves into the Daytona 500, that is where things can change. When those drivers may need to make moves and, and try to do things, they can shake it up a little bit. But for the early part of the duels, I expect single-file racing. It's unfortunate, but these teams need to get their cars to the Daytona 500. And we saw with the clash, the, the closing speeds, it's hard to block. Just have to be smart. However, I don't know how smart it would be to just stick single file because yes you'll see a little bit of that in the daytona 500 but come to it you need to know how your car is going to work in, in those double file to even three wide packs so you, you can make moves there and if you're on single file all race long during the duel then you really don't learn all that much so i, I see some double file racing but also teams just clicking off laps wanting to, to get to the end of those duels but again those are thursday to set the field for the daytona 500 again five drivers looking to still lock their way into the daytona 500 just two spots remain for those non-chartered teams and then everyone else to get their finalized starting positions for those races and on friday 
just one day later, you get the next era energy 250 for the Gander Outdoors Truck Series, a 6.30 start time. The entry list not yet released for that, so always a little bit of surprise entries on the, the trucks. But the, the first race of the year for the trucks here is I always look for the veterans, so a Matt Crafton, a Johnny Sauter, drivers like that to come in and really take control of the race and, and try to, to coach some of the, the new drivers along uh, a lot of, of new names as, as well in the truck series. So it's with, without the entry list, we know kind of who's where, but you know, aren't really ever for sure until that entry list comes out. The, the truck series doesn't get near as much of, of the kind of driver placement as news as does the cup series. So, and with the the trucks as well, it is, the truck race at Daytona always seems to even even if the clash is wild, even if the Daytona 500 is wild, the truck race is generally outright insane. And, and I look for that to to do a little bit of the same here this weekend. So it's really just up for anyone to go out there and steal a win in the truck series. The Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks will be strong. I look for the the David Gilland Racing trucks to be strong as well. Interesting thing for them is they move to the Ford program for David Gilland Racing. Thor Sport will be strong as well as will GMS. So all the normal players right there. I think those will be your, your drivers fighting for the win. But again, it's the truck series. You could get someone like a Clay Greenfield who's kind of showed his nose at the front sometimes and grabbing Jeff Hammett as the, the crew chief out of the Fox Sports TV studio to come back to the racetrack. That's always an interesting idea, especially at a, a track where you get that super speedway pack racing. The Xfinity Series set to to take place on Saturday, 1.30 start time, Fox Sports 1, the NASCAR Racing Experience 300. And this is the one I've got my eye on the, the most. Yes, you've got the Daytona 500, but in terms of just how the racing will play out, it's the Xfinity Series. I am looking at the most because of what happened last year. It was single file all race long, and, and no one really could do anything whatsoever to, to make passes. You had a couple guys trying, but just first race of the year, the, the question is, does the same thing happen, or do we see a Xfinity race that gets just as crazy as everything else with the pack racing and the Xfinity series it's what we're waiting on is who will the players be this year last year Cole Custer Christopher Bell Tyler Reddick dominated the 2019 season for the Xfinity series and a, a just year where all three of them were just that much better than everyone else and you just end up with a, a season where you have Tyler Reddick ends up the champion, six wins, Cole Custer, seven wins, Christopher Bell, eight wins. So the, those three drivers combine for, for 19, I mean, 21 race wins between those three. There's only 33 races during the course of a season, especially when you have some of the, the Cup Series drivers coming down to two races well like Kyle Busch he gets seven Xfinity Series races he won four of his seven starts so 21 of the 33 races won by Tyler Reddick Cole Custer Cole Custer and Christopher Bell well 
those three drivers have moved to the Cup Series are not in the Xfinity Series this year. So you get the likes of, of Harrison Burton to, to move in and, and drive full-time for, for Joe Gibbs Racing. You have Brandon Jones there, who ended up getting a, a race win late. Austin Sendrick's still there. Noah Gragson's still there. Justin Haley now. Can he become a player? And where will Justin Allgaier sit? Is he now the favorite? Austin Sendrick back in the 98 as well. So with 21 race wins now off the table, they're not going to go to Tyler Reddick. They won't go to Cole Custer. They won't go to Christopher Bell. Who is the driver that will take control of the Xfinity Series this year? That is the question that has to be answered. You're not going to get it at Daytona again with the pack racing, but you will see what teams are meshing well with their new drivers, with just so many different drivers in different positions. Riley Herbst with, with Joe Gibbs Racing as well. And a lot of these teams, you look at Junior Motorsports going with kind of the 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 team aspect of multiple drivers running partial schedules. So a little bit less full-time drivers this season at the, the top end of the series. A lot more smaller teams jumping their way into the sport. There's going to be a ton of cars on the entry list. I've seen numbers that, that are projecting somewhere between 45 and 48 on the Xfinity Series Daytona entry list when that finally comes out and should be coming out within the next couple of days. In terms of the Xfinity Series, I like Justin Allgaier. Again, it's experience especially with so many new faces in the xfinity series look for him to get out front i think noah gragson could play a factor as well justin haley he has a a knack for this this type of racing we've seen him be up front before those are the drivers i look at but i'm going justin allgaier in the xfinity series and then i'm going to go johnny Sauter in the truck series as well and you look at the cup series now the Daytona 500 on Sunday, February the 16th, a 1.30 start time, pre-race starting at around noon. It is the Super Bowl of NASCAR. So much stuff going on, so much preparation, and then you finally get to race day. And we've talked about it here for, for a while, but a lot of drivers just want to get to the end of this one, want to have a chance to win this race. And with it being so wide open, especially this year, it it doesn't seem as manufacturedly heavy as the, these super speedway races before where the, the teams aren't near as focused as working with each other. There's still a lot of that focus, but it's go win the race how you can and some different mindsets in qualifying as well. See different manufacturers sprinkled in and out. It's a little bit wide open. I'm picking Clint Boyer to win his first Daytona 500. Just kind of seems right. The Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Clint Boyer, a huge Chiefs fan. Chiefs fan Jeff Gordon wearing a Chiefs jersey in studio during Clint Boyer's qualifying run. It just seems like Clint Boyer's year to win the Daytona 500. But it is so wide open, especially... This year, you don't point at anyone right now and say, well, that car is better than everyone else's. They can go out and win the race. I, I've looked for so many different comers and goers, so many different leaders in this one. I think we'll get a, a really, really entertaining Daytona 500. So, and I got Clint Boyer, Justin Allgaier, and Johnny Sauter in the truck series race as well. 
That'll conclude the, the left turn portion of today's show. And by the time we get back to Monday, we'll have a new Daytona 500 champion. We'll have a better look at where everyone is in the sport, where everyone is as we head on to Las Vegas for race number two. That's where we'll really get an idea of where all the players are. But racing is back. It is Speed Weeks. We'll take a break here on the right takes with the occasional left turn and be back with more on X106.